Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. How many of you have ever done target practice, like taken a rifle or a pistol and tried to shoot a target? Um, I want to share this analogy that my good friend Steve shared with me as he was studying and thinking about how God's Word works together. He said, I think riflery helps me with this. Um, If you had just the front target on the end of your gun, it would be hard to hit what you're aiming at because it doesn't have the rear or the front sight because it doesn't have the rear sight that helps you align and and aim correctly, right? At the same time, once you get these aligned correctly, the target isn't even what you're focusing on as much. You're focusing on where that front sight is. It's got to be correct in line with the back, and it's got to be the thing that you keep your eye on. And what Steve shared with me when we were talking after they had gone to Nepal is he said, I think of the Old Testament like the rear sight. And the front sight like Jesus in the New Testament. And how that gives an answer. How it works together. Okay? So I thought that was a good picture today to help us as we come into this last Sunday of Advent. And consider the scripture from Isaiah today. And in specific, this one verse that I read earlier. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, these famous words spoken 750 some odd years before Jesus was born, echoed by St. Matthew and recalled every Christmas appropriately, they tend to make us think just about the virgin birth of Jesus. And while that is not wrong to consider the virgin birth of Jesus in this, especially when St. Matthew did, it had a different context when it was said 750 years earlier. And it meant something then too. And that's where the rear side is. And then Matthew recalls it at the birth of Jesus and his recounting of that. And that gives us a picture of what God's after. So here's what I want to look at today. These words were spoken by the prophet. I want to go to the Old Testament first. They were spoken by the prophet Isaiah to the king of Judah, Ahaz. Now, Ahaz wasn't a righteous king. He was a true descendant of David, and he gave, definitely gave words to worshiping Yahweh. But the problem throughout Isaiah that you read about in Judah and in Israel, but especially in Judah what you read about is there was a form of worshiping God without the heart really being there. Jesus would echo it later when he said, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you when he said, these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Okay, so that would be kind of a description of Ahaz. And he was in a tough spot. Here's what had happened. Syria and Israel... The people from whom he was estranged, who were also considered God's people, they had joined forces and were going to menacingly, evilly attack Judah. 
and go after them. And Ahaz was terrified. It says in the scripture, if you look to Isaiah 7 and read through there, it says that him and the people shook like the forest when the wind moves through it, when they heard of this coalition coming after them. But God sends Isaiah to Ahaz and says, Hey, hang on a second. Be careful. Be quiet, God said. Don't fear and don't let your heart be faint because of, God refers to the two armies as because of these two smoldering stumps, these things that are making such a mess. I can protect you. Turn to me. Because Ahaz, if you're not firm in your faith now, you won't be firm in it. So God went to him with a very kind, fatherly warning and admonishment for him to follow. And then he did this. Have you ever wanted a sign from God? Have you ever had that moment where if God could just... Okay, Ahaz got the lottery in this one. Literally, God lobs to him. I mean, he go, he, Isaiah says, ask me for a sign, any sign. Let it be as high as heaven or as deep as Sheol, the place of the dead. God was saying to Ahaz, you ask me for a sign, I'll give it to you so that your faith can be held firm and you will stay the course with me in this. Do you see the grace in that? Ahaz in his form of religion, or that would be the best case scenario, or just to mask his stubborn commitment to doing what he wanted to do, said, oh no, I will not test the Lord God by asking him for a sign. I get that because in Deuteronomy it talks about not having a heart bent toward asking God for signs. But if God comes to you and says, ask me for a sign, can I just say you get to ask for a sign? I mean, come on. Well, he wouldn't do it. And what he was committed to instead was an idea that he had. I will join forces with Assyria. They are strong and will make a coalition, and stand against this. And God is like, whoa, my people who are protected by my covenant and my presence, you don't go join forces with a pagan nation who, by the way, if you follow through with this, you're going to have years of exile to deal with. This is going to go very badly for all the people Ask me for a sign. Let me help you. He said no. So then we read this, as I read earlier. Therefore, Yahweh himself, the Lord himself, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let me explain what that means other than just pointing to the birth of Jesus through the Virgin Mary. He was saying to you, okay, what's coming is going to be hard and it's going to be bad. And you've chosen it. And I have reached out to you to try to keep you from it. But you've resisted me in that. So now, what's going to happen? When in the normal course of life, a maiden who has not known a man yet, is betrothed and knows a man and has a child, that child will be able to be called Emmanuel. You want to know why? Because in spite of your rebellion, I will be with my people. 
But then he goes on to talk about what that child's going to eat. So it's not just a virgin like the Virgin Mary. It's just saying the normal course of life in Judah. A family would betroth a man to a woman. The woman should not have known a man yet. And, and, and then they would come together and birth children. That was the rhythm and the hope in every family. And that's what he was saying to Ahaz. When this happens, that child's going to be born. And then it starts talking in the scripture. Again, go back and read chapter 7 about the diet that the child will have. It says that it'll eat wild honey and curds. We are like, well, that sounds great. That'd be a good lunch. Let's do that. Well, here's the problem. What he was saying to Ahaz, and Ahaz understood it, was a judgment. He was saying the number of the people are going to be so whittled down that the animals that you have that give milk, they're going to give in abundance. You're going to have too much milk, and it's going to get to turn to curds, and that child's going to be eating those curds as a part of their regular diet. And then he talks about bees coming in from the, the, the river in Egypt and nesting in the sides of the cliffs, and they're going to make honey, and the child's going to eat that. Well, we like honey, so that sounds good, but the problem is it also talks about the farmland not being able to bear crop the normal way. So in other words, you're going to go from a massive people farming and harvesting and knowing plenty and fruitfulness to having to kind of be gatherers, working with what you got around you. That's what Isaiah was saying to Ahaz. Okay? That's the rare sight. St. Matthew picked up on this Because, one, Jesus was born of a virgin. And his name was Jesus, the Savior. And he was of the house of David. And the fulfillment of God's promises was coming because of him. So all of a sudden, Matthew has an epiphany that in Ahaz's life, even though this oppressiveness and struggle existed, and the news of a virgin giving birth to a son wasn't good news for Ahaz. And I said this in the first service. I'm pretty sure I'm probably the only church in town that said that at Christmas time, that a virgin giving birth was somehow not good news. But let's think further. Matthew was also noticing Joseph's story. That's when this is told. And to Joseph, the virgin going to have a baby wasn't good news. That was his betrothed. That was his life, his wife. He was about to start life with her, and she was pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the daddy. He didn't have any idea that the Holy Spirit had done this miracle with her. So what's he thinking? Something unbelievably bad is happening. Something worse than her dying has happened. But Joseph was a good man and a righteous man and he didn't want to divorce her in a way that would cause her public shame or execution. That was a very real possibility. So it says that he planned to divorce her quietly and to give a chance for her to maybe not be put to shame. And just like God sent Isaiah to Ahaz, God sent a messenger to Joseph. And he said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Because what's happened to her is not out of the consequence or result of some sin. 
It's the work of God's Spirit fulfilling something that you're very familiar with in your people for 750 years now. The virgin is going to give birth. And this time, it's not a judgment. Just like I said before, Emmanuel will be the name of that child. I will be with my people. This time, I'm going to put your skin on. Emmanuel. That's the big idea of this message. And I get it. I get why we, we focus in on the virgin birth part. And that's pretty much what's preached. And it's pretty much all Matthew, I mean, uh, Isaiah 7 is preached. At least in my hearing in the church for decades now, that's where I've heard it. Unless you're doing a specific study in Isaiah. But there was something else going on. They're like the front sight and the rear sight. They're different from one another, yet they're undeniably linked and important. You hear that? A virgin did give birth. And the difference in Ahaz Ahaz and Joseph is important to us because Ahaz stuck to his stubborn plans and his form of religion and what he thought was best. Joseph was in such a state of heartbreak and having to make a hard decision and had a plan that he hoped would still be seen as kind, truly, to to give help to Mary. And God said, no, here's my plan. When Ahaz heard God's plan, he went the other way and did what he wanted to. God was still with his people. When Joseph heard God's plan, he turned and went with what the Lord was doing. And God was still with his people. But Joseph got to participate in it in such a beautiful and intimate way. He got to be Jesus' human daddy. Think about that. That happened. When I looked at this, I wondered how we might make use of it in terms of a practical step. And I thought about the candle of love that we've lit. If we are going to be a people like Joseph, who are humble and willing to do what God is doing, to find our next best right step there every time, If we're going to be like that, the answer to that is not hunkering down and doing mental gymnastics and getting paralyzed in the analyzing of things. It's this. It's love. God taught us that when we love Him and one another, we are fulfilling all of what he has called humanity to do and be. Now, it's not love on our terms. It's not love defined by our culture. It's love as Jesus has loved. Which means sometimes it's going to be doing things that aren't the most pleasant things. Downright unpleasant things. But it's going to be loving him. Why? Why would we not deviate like Ahaz back to what we want to do? Here's why. Emmanuel. 
When we love one another as he has loved us, we get to experience Emmanuel, God with us in ways that are really lost to us if we try to make God fit into our plan. If we don't bend and yield, I was talking with Father Mitch about this earlier, and so often things become familiar to us, and you know what we end up doing? We end up making God and His will into our image and our will when we were made in His image for His will. And that is Christmas. That really is the ball game. It's Emmanuel. It's God come to be with us, to fulfill every prophecy, every promise in some way that reconciles us to Him, to one another, and to the whole creation. And the only way the world will see that is if we love one another. That is where the the manifestation of God comes. If we love one another, we become one. We unify. The truth is we are one. We just start acting like what we are. And we behave like that. And Christmas is for that. So here's my hope for us this season. May God, who came and literally put on our skin, who persevered his people through harsh times and even judgments like what came down upon them because of Ahaz. May God, who is Emmanuel, may he help us celebrate that. May he help us value that above all things supremely. And may those who see us long for God to be with them as a result. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you. And may God's blessings surround you.